Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. I'll be joined by my guest, Lawrence R. Spencer, in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to uh, make one plea, I suppose. Uh, As I've mentioned here before, I've got a new blog at www.vietnamgroundzero.blogspot.com. This is a um, compilation of my experiences in Vietnam. And I have put this together because people have asked me what it was like in Vietnam, what did I do there, that sort of thing. And I thought it was important to tell tell that those stories. So if you uh, are interested in that sort of thing or this history of the Vietnam War from my perspective, you might say a different perspective, um, take a look at www.vietnamgroundzero.blogspot.com, the Vietnam Ground Zero, all lowercase, all one word. And um, you might find something there that you'll be interested in. My guest today, as I said, is Lawrence R. Spencer. He's an author of nine books. His books explore facts and fantasies of the universes, both physical and spiritual, including Western history, art, mythology, personal spirit, immortality, logic, and science fiction. He has a special interest and expertise in books of Sir Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, to whom the book Sherlock Holmes, My Life is a Tribute. Mr. Spencer is the editor and publisher of the book Alien Interview, including transcripts, letters, and personal notes provided by the late Army Air Force nurse Matilda McElroy concerning the Roswell UFO crash in 1947. Alien Interview is available uh, in 12 languages at www.lulu.com. Lulu is uh, all uppercase.com. And as an audio book in English and Spanish at www.audible.com. His personal website, blog featuring his books, poems, thoughts, and memes is at www.lawrencespencer.com. And the website for the book is Alien Interview at www.alieninterview.org. Lawrence Spencer, welcome to A Different Perspective. Thank you very much, sir. I think the easiest way to begin is tell us a little bit about um, Matilda McElroy and uh, how she came to or how you came to her attention, or vice versa. Okay. Um, in the book, uh, there's in the very beginning part of the book, before the interview begins, there's uh, several pages of biographical information about Matilda McElroy. Um, and so everything I know about her is literally included in the book. But uh, a quick overview is that... Um, in 1997-98, I was researching a book called The Oz Factors, uh, together with my editor, Carol South, uh, and somehow uh, she came across a phone number 
for this lady that she thought might have had something to do with Area 51 or Roswell or something. So kind of on a, we weren't researching UFOs or Roswell or anything like that for the Oz Factories book. So kind of on a lark, I called the number, and this lady answered the phone, and I said, I'm calling you because I'm researching this book, blah, 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 blah. And we heard that you may have some information about uh, UFOs or Area 51 or Roswell or something like that. She said, no, don't have any information about anything like that, although I was in the Army, the U.S. Uh, Army in 1947. Um, so I explained to her the nature of the book that I was researching and so forth, and she was very, very um, interested in the book. So she said, well, I'm sorry I don't have anything to tell you, but I'd be interested in reading your book when it's done. So a year later, um, after the book was published, I mailed her a copy. At that time, she was living near an Air Force base uh, in Glasgow, Montana, uh, which she had been relocated to after she was just fed from the Air Force in 1947 or 48, somewhere through there, and had been living there with her husband uh, ever since. Uh, that, that base was closed in 1969. Uh, after that, they, she and her husband moved to Ireland um, because of their Irish heritage or they have family there, who knows for sure. Anyway, um, so I completely forgot about the whole thing because uh, it didn't have anything to do with the book I was writing. Um, uh, Ten years later, uh, I received an envelope from Ireland uh, from her addressed with a return address in County Meath, which is uh, southwest of uh, Glasgow, and it contained uh, what were purported to be the uh, a copy, the type copy of uh, military transcripts of an interview between the nurse and uh, the surviving alien of the UFO crash near Roswell, uh, together with handwritten notes and typewritten notes uh, on various pieces of paper um, that contained her own personal observations and comments and and so forth. So. Well, let me uh, let me ask I a spent, question. You you never interviewed her then. You just received this pile of information, sort of out of the blue. Well, yeah, no, I never interviewed her except for that brief conversation ten years earlier um, in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, I wouldn't have given it a second thought had I not received the documents. Obviously, I wouldn't have even suspected that such a person existed had I not spoken with her on the phone for a few minutes. Um, that's the only firsthand uh, contact I ever had with her. Um, so that's, you know, as much as I do. What did she say about her activities or what did the documents say about her activities in Roswell in 1947? Well, the documents and uh, her personal notes and letters described her that are all contained in the book verbatim. I just took everything she sent me and I put it in a sequence that made sense to me. And I spent about six months or so uh, researching everything that she sent to me, including the transcripts and her notes and letters, to see if I could verify whether or not any of the information included was true or not. So all I did was I, I took the... Um, those documents, and I annotated um, them in the book with footnotes or endnotes, uh, mostly taken from Wikipedia, but many taken from other websites that were available. Well, let me the, let me interrupt um, here because a lot of those footnotes are kind of irrelevant to the discussion of the Roswell case or her interaction with the alleged alien. Yes, they they're not particularly relevant. They were the only reason they're included because I was trying to. Uh, establish any kind of efficacy for myself as to whether the documents were, were factual or fictional or whatever. Uh, as you know, I'm, I have, uh, I'm not an expert on Roswell like you are. Uh, I've never seen an UFO. I've never contacted by aliens or anything like that. Uh, I was very, very um, 
suspicious of the documents when I received them because I I thought well this you know I could be being trolled here I could just be being set up um, so uh, after I after I reviewed everything and, and researched it as best I could I, I just published everything verbatim because I after studying the material I decided well the even though the information in the, the letters and transcripts can't be verified or proven. It is interesting information, and I thought that. Well, what did what, be... you, what did she say about her interactions? How did she get involved directly in the uh, retrieval operation? Well, apparently, uh, she was um, uh, posted at the Roswell Army Air Force Base in 1947 as a uh, surgical nurse, and at the time of the crash, she says that she accompanied um, a Lieutenant Cavett, who was the allegedly the security officer for the the Roswell base to the crash site along with other military personnel. Well, let me and, let me interrupt uh, let me interrupt right here to say it actually was Captain Cavett and he it's not allegedly he was the counterintelligence officer at the base. We've okay. been able to verify that. Okay, Captain Cavett. Um, I'm just trying to remember from my you know just from memory. Anyway, so she says that she went to the the site and they discovered one of the four occupants of the craft was still living. And so she, uh, as a nurse, approached, approached the body to, to see if she could give any assistance or verify whether it was living or not. And she says that she sensed a communication, uh, a telepathic communication from uh, the, the, this entity, this alien uh, and ask to whether or not anybody else could perceive this communication. No one could. So they subsequently assigned her to accompany uh, this alien throughout um, their, all of their interaction with it uh, thereafter, which uh, lasted for six to eight weeks, something along that line. So that's where her interaction with the, the alien began. So all of the communication that was established and conducted during the interviews between the nurse and the alien were, although supervised by other intelligence agencies and the military and so forth, all of the actual communication was telepathic, just between the, the, um, the alien and the nurse. So obviously that makes the entire thing very subjective, to say the least. Um, so take it or leave it, it is what it is. And um, so I published the book on that basis just because I thought the information in it was compelling, even though nobody, is, to my knowledge, has ever been able to verify whether um, any of this actually occurred or whether, in fact, the nurse had ever existed. Um, certainly her, her real name wasn't Natal McElroy. It was, a, it was some, a name that wasn't the name... She was serving under in 1947. So you you say she accompanied Cavett out to the crash site? Is that what or what she, that's what she alleged? Says. Yeah, that's what she says. And while she was there, she got into telepathic communication with this alien being. That's what she says. Yes. And the alien being gave her a lot of information about its. Uh, a home world or its life or, or something like that? Well, the um, interviews were conducted between the nurse and the alien, who she says was the pilot of the craft, over a period of um, about six weeks um, in the summer of 1947. And the entire content of the, of the typed transcripts and her letters and notes uh, are the particular details of that interview. Um, the questions apparently were composed and given to her by very various members of uh, the military and intelligence agencies and so forth um, that monitored and supervised the interviews all during that time. So she would go into a room that was constructed for that purpose uh, alone with the alien, and she would give the question um, to the alien, 
and the alien would respond telepathically. She says that the, the alien was the pilot of the craft, and it inhabited a, a small, uh, what people would normally refer to as a gray alien body. It's an artificial, non-biological body. I hate I hate to interrupt you here. I hate to interrupt you here, but I've got to take a break, and uh, we're getting to the stuff okay. I really wanted to get to on on this. Um, when we come okay. back, we'll talk about the description of the alien and the kind of information she was getting from it. Uh, I do want to uh, say that there are some other fine programs about the paranormal on the X Zone Broadcast Network at xzbn.net. So take a look at the listings on the X Zone website, and you're going to find something there, and I'm sure it'll spark your interest. But I will be back right after this with Lauren Spencer talking about, I guess, Roswell once again. So please stick around. With Lauren Spencer, we're talking about his book, Alien Interview, the tales of, uh, I guess, the woman he now calls Matilda O'Connell McElroy and her experiences in Roswell in 1947. When we went away, uh, you had been uh, begun to describe what the alien looked like and its, I guess, its position on the UFO or what, however you want to put, put it. So, Pick up there. What what do these beings look like, according to her? Okay, according to the nurse, the uh, the pilot whom she interviewed, who was the only surviving member of uh, four alien entities on the craft, uh, three of the entities uh, died and were uh, who had bodies that were different than the pilot. As I mentioned, the the pilot had, and according to her, had a a small. Um, body that's made of uh, artificial materials it had no not it's not biological um, had no mouth or ears or nose um, it didn't can it was asexual didn't consume any didn't need to breathe or eat or anything like that um, so, but through her telepathic communication she reveals uh, during the interviews that this being was the pilot of the craft. Uh, and because of, because of the information that the pilot of the craft had available to it, um, she was able during the course of the interviews over a period of six weeks to determine that um, the craft was not from um, this universe necessarily in terms of physical universe um, and that the civilization from which the craft came was uh, she refers to as the domain although she says it could be called many other things but it's um, not necessarily a physical location as much as a, uh, a civilization whose purpose is to invade the entire physical universe and acquire the physical universe territory uh, to become part of its property, the property of the domain, in other words. So because when that was realized early on in the interviews, the obviously the military's stance and position as regards the interviews subsequent um, with the alien were essentially with a hostile entity uh, or a potentially hostile entity. Um, so the, the whole interview, all of the interviews are kind of tainted with that uh, perspective, which is, you know, easily easy to understand. Um, but the nurse reveals that her personal notes and letters and so forth reveal uh, that the uh, more of a, a spiritual perception of the pilot be through because of their telepathic communication. And she describes the, the pilot as a, uh, a female or feminine entity. Um, and because the, the people um, who work for or inhabit the bodies um, assigned to spacecraft, spacecraft by the domain um, are not um, biological or sexual, 
they're, they're more, the more important aspect of, of who they are as individuals has to do with their spiritual entity and how they identify themselves um, as spiritual beings. So, so the, the, these ba- these aliens have sort of a, a new agey type of philosophy. Uh, I wouldn't say new agey. No, I would say, uh, in the words of the pilot, the pilot says that her personal opinion is that all sentient beings are essentially immortal spiritual beings, um, regardless of where you're from or what type of body you have or what species of of animal you may be, or whether or not you inhabit a biological body is irrelevant. The common denominator is that if you're a sentient being, if you're able to perceive and feel pain and emotion and so forth, that you're immortal. You've always always existed and always will exist. So to that degree, I suppose you could call it New Age, but certainly that's not the point of view of the, the pilot. The pilot's point of view in that regard is just very matter-of-fact and you know, it's just the way it is, and it always has been, and it doesn't matter what universe you're from or what planet you live on. That's just the way it's always been. Well, let's let's dissect so, some of let's dissect some of this here. You okay. say she she was a nurse, a nurse, yeah. But in your Catholic book, nurse. <laughs> in your book, in your book, um, she's an enlisted person. That means she wasn't enlisted, a nurse because yeah. all military nurses are officers. Uh, okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't know anything about the military. But uh, she says, what she says is that she was, had, uh, she had attended college in Los Angeles and become a, become a nurse and uh, enlisted in the military. I don't know when, uh, but in 1947, she was at the Roswell Air Force Base as a uh, a flight nurse uh, acting as a, a flight surgeon assistant, something along that line. But as I say, as an, uh, she gave her ranks, or you gave her ranks, as uh, NCO. And at one point, I think a senior master sergeant, which is a rank didn't exist in the Army at all, has never existed in the Army, and is in fact a rank from the Air Force that was created in 1957. So that really casts some doubt on the credibility of these documents. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I, I don't know. She, uh, all I know is, you know the same thing I know, because I published everything that I received verbatim from her. So uh, if what she says isn't accurate, then it just is what it is. Well, um, well, one of the things I know is, in, in my discussions with Sheridan Cabot, and our discussions, and I say ours, Don Schmitz and my, I should say Don Schmitz's discussion with Lewis Rickett, who was the counterintelligence NCO in Roswell in 1947. They never mentioned a, a woman, a nurse, going with them to uh, the crash sites. What do you make of that? Like I said, all I make of it is uh, everything I know about any of this material is exactly what I received and exactly what I reproduced and published in the book. So we can take so, a look at these documents? No, the documents I destroyed, as I, as I mentioned in the book. You have to understand that uh, I'm a civilian, and, 19, and when I received these materials, the first thing I thought was somebody is trolling me. Somebody's sending me a bunch of documents that can't be authenticated, although they look real enough to me, uh, particularly the handwritten portions of her letters and so forth. Um, but uh, I have no way of verifying any of it. Uh, so my, my assumption was that these documents are purported to be stolen, top-secret, official military documents. So my first reaction was, you know, uh, stolen top secret documents aren't something that I want to tell people that I, I have possession of, regardless of how I received them. So I didn't tell anybody that I had received any of this information, not even my wife. 
So I studied them, as I mentioned before, just trying to verify whether or not any of it could be true. Uh, I was very skeptical about the whole thing. And, uh, you know, as you point out, um, even experts uh, can't verify whether any of this is true. And my my overall opinion of it all these years later is uh, essentially this is an alleged nurse. Well, let me let me let me ask you a question. I mean, there's there's a contradiction in your statements here. You're worried about the documents being top secret documents. You're in position of them and can get in trouble, so you've destroyed them. So we can't verify them, and yet you publish uh-huh. a book. You've copied them down. Why not just uh, keep the documents and publish those in the book so we can see that they existed? Uh, I published them in the book exactly as I received them. I typed them verbatim. I understand um, that. I understand that. What my question is, what would motivate you to destroy the documents? You need to prove that the documents existed and you can't do that. uh, Two reasons. One is that in the letters from the nurse, she advised me or asked me to publish some material without endangering my life or the life of my family. Uh, Subsequently, I learned that Many people's lives were threatened by the military because they were first or secondhand witnesses to the events of Roswell, allegedly. Um, I, have, I have a family, and I didn't want to anyway risk my life or being arrested or interrogated or, you know, I would work for a living, um, just a regular you, guy. Do you understand the contradiction? Do you understand the, the problem here? Do you understand the problem? You're I saying. Do, absolutely. You got the it's documents, total... you got the documents, uh-huh. you reproduced them verbatim, but you destroyed the originals. How is that going exactly. to protect you? Because, as she says in her letter, if you can publish these materials, um, if you t- try to take these materials to the media, you'll be laughed at and made a, you know, obviously, because it's... What is, what is the greatest uh, alleged hoax and the biggest cover-up in the history of, of UFOs? It's Roswell, right? So if you come forward you know, with a bunch of documents that can't be verified one way or the other um, and say, oh, I received these from a nurse, and by the way, they're, they're alleged to be top secret told do- uh, stolen documents, I didn't want to get embroiled in any of that. I didn't want to have my life disrupted by going to the media or anybody else and saying, okay, look at these documents and see what these are. I have no interest in any of that. Uh, Quite the contrary. I was trying to protect my private life by getting rid of the documents, uh, primarily out of of, uh, paranoia for my own safety. And why would I want to endanger my, my life uh, by having by saying, oh, by the way, I have these top secret stolen documents. So but I you but you but you publish a book. Was publish them. You publish a book. You publish a book that you say is verbatim from the documents. How is that different uh-huh. than admitting the documents? And why didn't you contact one of the Roswell researchers, whether it's Don Schmidt or Stan Friedman or Tom Carey or me or Carl Flock, for that matter? Uh, because we could have helped verify these documents. We could have told you what well, was wrong at that with time, them. At that time, I didn't know anything about Roswell. I wasn't interested in Roswell or UFOs or anything like that. All I knew was what was in information was in the transcripts. So I didn't approach anybody because I didn't know that there was anybody to approach uh, at that time. Uh, you know, my naivety on the subject of UFOs and Roswell was absolute. I didn't know anything about it except, you know, that allegedly something had occurred there. Um, so I wasn't really that interested, Kevin. You know, I certainly wasn't interested in endangering the life of my myself or my family or getting all embroiled in, in the, the media or the military or anything like that. I just wanted to say, okay, I got this. It was allegedly um, was sent to me by this nurse. Uh, who alleged, who, the only reason I thought that the person existed is because I spoke to her on the phone briefly 10 years before. Um, so the whole thing was kind of uh, 
an inconvenient disruption for me, for, for, for my life, uh, given the life that I was living at that time as a private person and just, you know, doing my job and going to work and so forth. Okay, so let me let me I interrupt here. Let, let me interrupt here. We're going to have to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the documents and the nurse and see if we can dive a little bit deeper in this and get to some kind of, uh, draw some kind of conclusion about it. I'd like to take a moment to uh, thank those of you who've purchased the Best of Project Blue Book, which is my latest book on UFOs. Uh, based on the Project Blue Book files. And as I say, it's been up and down the Amazon bestseller list a couple of times. If you like the book, even if you don't like it, uh, write a review, put in a rating, All uh, that all helps. I will be back right after this with Lawrence R. Spencer, he of www.lawrencespencer.com, right after this. Uh, so please stick around. I am here with Lawrence R. Spencer, and yes, we are engaged in social distancing. He is in one place, I'm in another, and the producers. So there you go. Um, when we went away, we were talking about the documents, and I was unable to understand how publishing the documents, even if we typed them, would in fact. Uh, protect you because obviously you if, if the documents were real you would have had the documents and those on the other side and the intelligence communities would know this information was accurate how could publish them uh, protect you well the proof is in the pudding um, I published the book uh, as I said verbatim uh, I destroyed the original documents uh, as suggested to me by the nurse and uh, subsequently, I never had any contact from any military authority of any kind or any intelligence officers of any kind that I'm aware of. Um, and all these, what, 12, 13 years later, um, I've never had any suspicion that I've been being observed or surveilled or and nobody's come up and knocked on my door and threatened me or anything like that. So in retrospect, uh, right or wrong, I think my decision was the right decision for me because I was able to continue my life and, and not uh, be worried uh, or looking over my shoulder for fear of because I was in possession of stolen documents. So, so you kept, but you have the letters that she wrote to you, right? You have the letter? No, I destroyed everything, I, the entire envelope. So you can't prove everything that this is it, that there's anything there. You have absolutely, absolutely no evidence. Not. Absolutely zero evidence. And and no when evidence. we look at you, um, you're now telling us that her name wasn't Matilda Maco, uh, Matilda O'Connell McElroy. It was something else. According to what she says, um, when she uh, finished her term of service after the interviews were complete, she was uh, along with other nurses stationed at the base. Apparently, made persona non grata. Uh, and uh, sent away to uh, live near an Air Force base uh, in Glasgow, Montana. And uh, every, as far as other researchers have been able to determine over the years, um, not only her, but all of the other people, the nurses and personnel who were working, serving at the base that time, kind of just disappeared off the face of the earth as well as any record of their having worked there at that time. This would be personnel that were directly related to the, the interviews and so forth. Well, that's simply not true. You know, that's simply not well, true. Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm just telling you what she says. Yes, and I'm telling you it's simply not true because we know the names of the nurses who were working in the base. A fellow named Vic Goljebek was managed to get the names of the nurses who were assigned to the base in 1947, 1948, 1946. He got lists of nurses who worked in the hospitals in Roswell. So the nurses were there. We've talked to any number of okay. people who appeared in the documentation from Roswell 
who remained there. Uh, Walter Hott springs to mind immediately. Uh, lived in Roswell his, uh, his whole life, uh, as a matter of fact. Jesse Marcel, the base intelligence officer, came forward in 78 and told us all about this. So, uh, yes, there was some manipulation of the people in Roswell, but we know who they were and we could verify their existence through the yearbook that Walter Hott created in 1947, through the base telephone directory, through the city directory, through the city telephone book, through the unit histories and the morning reports. So we have the names of all kinds of people who were there and we know what happened to those people uh, after this these events took place, whether they were just tangentially um, involved in the case or if they were directly involved in the case. So to suggest that is simply untrue. Okay, well, that's good to know. I had no idea. Uh, what did so you do? To, those, did you do anything any to vet this information? Versus, uh, sorry? Did you do anything to vet this information that she gave you? Well, as I said, I spent about six months doing my own research on the Internet, looking up all the references, and I created footnotes of information that I find, found corresponding to the data in the transcripts and so forth, and I published those in the book. Absolutely, but those, yes. those footnotes, a lot of those footnotes have nothing to do with Roswell, have nothing to do with UFOs. It's, it's in some information about various esoteric things. Uh, the footnotes do nothing to uh -huh. verify the information. Exactly. Uh, Kevin, I just published what I could find in the course of trying to figure out whether or not any of this was factual or actual or had anything to do with anything because I knew nothing about Roswell, wasn't even interested in Roswell or UFOs. I was just trying to figure out whether or not the information I received could be factual or, or actual. Wouldn't, um, wouldn't it be fair to say, wouldn't it be fair to say that you connected this story to Roswell for the fame of the Roswell case, and there's really no reason to cook, connect it to it, and what, you're, what you've Purported, purported in the book is more of a new age philosophy that uh, you've espoused in other documents or other books you've written, but there's really no connection to Roswell other than this, this mythical nurse. Well, um, yeah, lots of people have suggested that. Uh, the, the, the fact is that I didn't write the book. I didn't write any of the materials in it. I couldn't even imagine writing any of it. Um, and had no interest in writing any of it. So I received the information that I got. It was sent to me by this alleged nurse. Um, I took it on face value and did my own research as best I could and published it and destroyed the originals and went on with my life. Um, I mean, you know better than anyone, being a, a lifelong expert on Roswell, whether or not the material in the book as regards the UFO incident or the military or anything is, is true or accurate or efficacious, uh, you're an expert on the subject. I am far from being an expert and not interested in being an expert. So, um, well, I can tell you, I can tell uh, you that the, the military information is completely wrong. Cavett would have had okay. no female driver. Uh, he never mentioned anything to Don Schmidt or me about having a female driver or a nurse. If she was, uh, uh um, she wasn't a nurse because she was a sergeant, an NCO, so she wasn't a nurse. At best, she could have been a medical technician. There were no female medical technicians in Roswell in 1947. So we've pretty well eliminated the possibility that she was in Roswell in 1947. You have no documentation to suggest that you received anything from her. You've destroyed it all, which makes no sense given the fact that you copied everything down and I guess on your own typewriter, your own computer and published it. It makes no sense that way whatsoever. Why don't you just tell us you made the whole thing up? Why don't I? I mean, that's exactly what the nurse suggested to me in her, her letter. She says, you there is no nurse. It was a fiction and nobody could ever prove one way or the other. That's which is to me, the entire point of what she says in her information is, this is essentially a subjective communication between her and the alleged. No, uh, there was no, alien. there was no communication. There was no nurse. It, she never existed. You can't prove she existed. 
You have Absolutely no documentation not. to back you up. The stuff about the military is completely wrong. The stuff about Roswell is completely wrong. It's a complete and total work of fiction. There was no nurse. I can say that with great confidence that there was no nurse. Okay, I, I'll be happy to take your word for it. Like I say, you're the expert, I'm not. I published the material because I thought other people would be interested in it. Uh, and some of the information is compelling. Some of it is so far-fetched has to be absolutely unbelievable in every possible way. Uh, I don't really care one way or the other about any of that. It just is what it is, take it or leave it. Uh, I've never purported that it was anything other than that. It's entirely a subjective uh, thing that can't be proven. As far as I know, there isn't anything about Roswell that can be proven. Oh, yes, uh, there's all kinds you know, of things that can be proven. physical proof. There's all kinds of things well, that can be proven like, about Roswell. I would like to know what about Roswell can actually be proven with physical evidence. I've never heard of such a thing. Well, you've just said you're not an expert on Roswell, and and actually the question no, to, the That's question asking, to you I'm is you the, question. the question to you is why don't you just admit you made the whole thing up? Because that's that's the because only conclusion an, an intelligent person can draw based on what you've told us here today. Okay, um, you just have to take my word for it. Just like everything else about this entire subject, I did not write the book. Then who wrote it? It was sent to me. Well, allegedly this nurse. Well, we're we're, we're... I, I received I received a lot of documents in a big envelope. That were uh, all no, over let's, 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 let's not go through that again, because clearly there were no documents. The documents that, as you say, you copied them precisely, they don't make any sense at all because of the, the way they're formatted, the, the notations on them. They even get the fact wrong that it wasn't the United States Army Air Force. It was the United States Army Air Forces at the time. You say you destroyed the letters, you destroyed the documents, you can't prove that, you don't know the name of the nurse, you won't tell us the name of the nurse. There were no female... I don't know the name of the nurse. Um, Do you, maybe you, maybe you know the I can name tell of you the nurse. names of the nurses who were signed to Roswell in 1947, and I can also tell you the, some of the stories that they have t repeated uh, since then, uh, when they were interviewed by uh, various researchers. And so there's cool. the difference. Your story cool. makes absolutely no sense. To me, it's clear that you made the whole thing up. Okay. That's fine with me. I don't, I don't really care one way or the other. Then why'd you write it, the book? Could, what was the point of the book? I, didn't write, I did not write the book. What's I, the point I, of I publishing the book? The book? And I published the book. As I said, I thought the information, some of the information in the book was compelling. It would be interested to people who are interested in this kind of thing. That's all. So we, we get that back to the same problem that I've had from the beginning, and, and I, I had it from the point when I read the book. Why don't you just admit that it's, it's a work of fiction? Because Let's go is. there. It's a work of fiction. I mean, it could be a work of fiction, but it's not my fiction. That's all I'm saying. It could very easily be a work of fiction. I don't deny that in any possible way. When I received it, I thought very much along those lines that this could very easily be a work of fiction. I have no way of verifying any of it as being factual. I never have, and I never will, and I don't care. It just is what it is. Take it or leave it. You don't so, care? You know, lots and lots of people lots and lots of people have the same opinion you have. Um, so that, that's totally fine with me, Kevin. I'm, I'm not... Uh, not purporting that this is my invention or creation because it isn't. Um, so why did you you publish the book because you thought it was compelling? But don't you feel an obligation to your readers to, uh, or an obligation to those of us who've done the research in Roswell? Uh, you you you've clouded the issue with this nonsensical story of telepathic communication with a a being that is not a biological being but some kind of a uh, I guess. Uh, android or uh, construct, biological construct of some kind, don't you feel an obligation to at least uh, um, make it easier for us to, to work in our story? You've kind of clouded the whole issue. Um, no, I don't feel any such obligation because my intention in publishing the material was just in publishing the material as I received it. 
uh, as I've said before, I'm not interested in Roswell or UFOs or aliens or anything like that. Um, so it, as I said in the publication and the disclaimer, which I was very specific about at the time that I published it, which is included in the book, I'm just putting this out there as I received it because it is what it is, take it or leave it. Um, and I don't care if anybody um, agrees or disagrees or thinks I'm a fraud or anything like that. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. It just is information. Uh, it could be an absolute work of fiction, as you allege. Uh, I don't disagree. It could absolutely be a work of fiction. Well, let me break in here because I'm going to have to take my final break. I am here with Lawrence R. Spencer. His website is www.lawrencespencer.com. Um, the book is available at Alien Interview. Uh, the, the book Alien Interview is uh, available at www.alieninterview.org. My uh, uh, blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. I've uh, discussed some of this on my blog earlier, and uh, we will be back in just a moment and finishing up with Lawrence Spencer and Alien Interview. So please stick around. by Lawrence R. Spencer. He is not the author of Alien Interview, but is in fact the publisher of it. We've had a somewhat acrimonious discussion here about the legitimacy of the book and the possibility that it is, I guess, clouding the uh, Roswell research, which I think is one of the things that aggravates me about it, uh, allegedly throwing another um, storyline into the Roswell case that I think is uh, unimportant and trivial and should, shouldn't even be a footnote to, to the Roswell case, but we fought that for years and years and years. Uh, you mentioned your disclaimer, which um, I published on my blog, uh, and in this disclaimer you say that this could be a work of fiction. Absolutely. And I, I wouldn't deny it for a second. How would I know? <laughs> I just published well, I mean, everything. that's the point, though. You 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 present the book as if it's authentic. You put in a disclaimer says, "Well, I don't uh, know no, if it's actually, true." No, actually, I don't. I don't present it as being authentic. I presented it being as it being what I received. That's all. Why don't you just label it as a work of fiction? Why don't you just label it as a science fiction story? It, it wouldn't matter to me one way or the other. Just as the nurse said in her letter to me. You could publish it as a work of fiction or not. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, first of all, we, it doesn't we, matter to me either. We've established there's no nurse. Okay. Even if what she said is true, she wasn't a nurse. We know that because of the military regulations in force in 1947. Um, okay. I'm, I'm just at a loss here. And, and the reason I say that is because... Uh, I can see the skeptical community picking up this book. And the reason I, I learned about it was some of the comments that have been circulating on the Internet in the last few weeks about this story and people thinking that it has some authenticity behind it. But we've established that, A, uh, you destroyed the documents if you ever received any documents. You've told us that the name of the nurse is not accurate, so we can't verify her existence, even though... Um, I did try to find something with the name McElroy until you told me that wasn't really her name. I did a lot of research on that. You said that your research was conducted strictly on the Internet, but if you're doing research in the Internet, you would have come across Roswell, and surely you would have come across the names of Don Schmidt or mine or Tom Carey or Stan Friedman or Carl Flock, to name just a few. And I, I don't understand why, if you're trying to verify this information, you wouldn't contact one of us. Okay. We have no um, response. As I, as I said, in 2007, when I received the information, um, I wasn't 
the internet yeah. was relatively new. I wasn't particularly. Yeah, yet. I we got um, that. We understand that. We understand that. My point simply is, is you said you were doing research on the internet to to try to verify or vet some of this information. At some point on that during that vetting process, you would have come across one of us, in the the research, and I I just wonder why you wouldn't have contacted one of us and say, what do you think of this story? Is there any validity to it? Okay, I got it. Yeah. I was not inclined to do that at the time, as I said, because for a variety of reasons, uh, I wasn't particularly interested, and I certainly didn't want to uh, get embroiled in um, that whole process, which apparently has been going on uh, since 1947, to verify whether or not Roswell, anything about Roswell actually occurred or existed. Uh, that whole process, for me personally, seem kind of futile and irrelevant because I have no particular interest in any of it. I just thought that other people might be interested in the in, in what I received, which has proven to be the case, and millions of people apparently have read the, the book, and rightfully or wrongfully, um, as regards to the factuality of Roswell, uh, I can't do anything about that, and I'm not particularly interested in trying to prove the the factuality of anything about Roswell. It's not my job. I'm not interested in it. And it's for me, it's completely incidental to the material that I received from this alleged nurse. So I don't disagree with you, Kevin. I totally agree with you. And at the time I received the information, I thought, well, this looks like um, maybe 100% a hoax or 50% a hoax or some is true, some is not true. I have no way of knowing so, but it was interesting, and I know that people like to read things that are interesting. So I published it because I thought it was interesting and compelling, uh, which it has proven to be for many people, but not necessarily because it has anything particularly to do with the factuality of the events of Roswell. Uh, uh, I think did you make any money on the book? What happened to Roswell? Did you make any money on the book? About. Did I you make any money? Free, for free. I published it for free. On the internet, the same day I published the printed copies. So subsequently, it's been it's available for as a free PDF. Well, then why uh, why would they in, why would the nurse why would the nurse the alleged nurse the non-existent nurse um, send this information to you if you have no interest in UFOs, you have no interest in Roswell, you have no interest in this? If she wants to tell her compelling story, why wouldn't she get in touch with one of the any one of the millions of people who are interested in Roswell. Why not uh, go to MUFON or QFOS or the Fund for UFO Research? Why not talk, talk talk to Tom Carey or Don Schmidt or Stan Friedman? Why would she send this stuff to you? Because it relates directly to Roswell. Um, all I know is what she says in her letter. In her letter, one of her two letters, she says that I think you're a person who may understand this material. Uh, not necessarily, she doesn't say anything about Roswell or anything like that. She says, I think you're somebody who could understand this. Based on her having read my my book, I assume, um, The Oz Factors, and she doesn't really say anything else about it. Do you find it um, interesting, do you, do you find it interesting that some of the information com that she supplied to you in these alleged documents uh, sort of mirrors your own personal philosophy? No, I, I don't find that coincidental at all. I think if there were any reason uh, that she sent it to me, that's probably why it is, because uh, if she had read my the book I wrote in 1999, The Oz Factors, she would have understood from that book that uh, my interests uh, have really nothing to do with UFOs and aliens and anything about that. Uh, I'm... Uh, I'm always very much more interested in philosophical issues, personally. So my my inference or my speculation is that she sent it to me for that reason. Uh, but who knows? Like I said, I, I, I'm just as incredulous, and even more so at the time I received the material, that this was anything more than somebody sending me something um, that can't be proven. Which you know, would you be willing to take so a polygraph test? Point out you can't prove it. Would you right? be willing to take a polygraph test to uh, 
sort of verify that you there was a, a nurse who contacted you and there were documents which you destroyed? Oh, absolutely. I have no problem with any of that. And as I said, Kevin, I, I could care less one way or the other. You know, I'm sorry if, if you feel that it disrupted your, uh, you know, personal investigations into Roswell, which I very much appreciate. I mean, I think you've probably done more truly uh, legitimate work in investigating the subject than anybody else. Um, the only person I've talked to lots of other people in the course of radio show interviews, but I've never, never really discussed any of this with people who were as expert in the, you know, the, the minutia and the firsthand evidence as, as you are. Although I have talked to a number of people who were in Roswell at that time or people whose families were in Roswell at the time, uh, that I ran, I've run across over the years. So the only thing I've learned, what my takeaway from my personal encounters with these people is that um, they can't they can't really prove that any of it occurred any more than their personal subjective experience or those of uh, the members of their families. Who well, we can prove we can prove we can silent. prove. We can prove many, many things. We can prove that the people were there in Roswell in 1947. If you want to see Walter Hott, for example, just to pick a name out of the air, we can prove that he was there in 1947. We can prove what his, his job was in 1947. We know where he what was going on with him in 1947. We can do the same thing with any number of officers. In this case, we can't prove anything whatsoever. Um, okay. So when you say you know we can't prove anything, we can prove a great deal. We can prove something fell at Roswell. We can prove uh, what it wasn't. For example, a mogul balloon. It wasn't a mogul balloon. It wasn't a rocket. It wasn't an airplane crash. We can prove a lot of things th like that. So when you say we can't prove things one way or another at Roswell, that's not true. What I object to is hitching this nonsensical story to the Roswell bandwagon. I think just for the interest it's going to draw because the name because Roswell's attached to it. And there's no other reason for it to be Roswell. I don't believe the nurse existed. I don't believe you got any documents. I don't believe you destroyed the documents. I don't believe the story whatsoever. And I think it's doing a great harm to not only UFO research, but to Roswell research. And I object to that. Okay. I understand. Well, let me say this. We will, we will uh, be in touch to arrange some kind of a polygraph examination for you to see if we can get any further in this. Uh, so we'll be in touch with you about doing that in the future. Um, okay. I thank you. I thank you for taking your time today to be with me. And I'm sure it was not the most pleasant experience you've had with a radio interview. Um, as I say, I've had lots of similar radio interviews. It doesn't matter to me, Kevin. It, as the I said website, my disclaimer about the book, take it or leave it. I don't care one way or the other. Just well, neither do we, we don't care anymore. The, um, Website is www.laurencespencer.com. If you want to read the nonsensical book, it's www.alieninterview.org. You can take a look at it and uh, run with it from there. Okay, uh, so thank good. you for being with us, and uh, we will be in touch to see what we can learn about the validity of this story. Uh, in the weeks to come, I hope to have uh, some guests on here who are a little bit more in tune with the facts of the situation rather than talking about, well, I got these documents and I destroyed them and I got these letters, but I destroyed them. And I was afraid that the having classified documents would get me into trouble, but I'm going to copy the documents exactly and publish them. Won't get you into trouble, that sort of thing. I mean, the, the contradiction in that is just unbelievable. So... Um, I will give him credit for one thing. There is a disclaimer in the book, and I published it on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, where he says he can't prove any of this stuff, and he can't even prove the nurse existed. And I did some research in this, as I said, trying to find her. Uh, there are things in the book, the story, her letters that just are not true. It was written by somebody who had no idea how the military operated, how the rank structures operated, who did what and who did what, when and where and how. So um, if you're interested in the book and you want to read a bunch of new age philosophy that is new age philosophy, I guess, then then you might be interested in, in this book. But I hope no one ever ever sort, cites this as a source of legitimate information on the Roswell case because it is nowhere near 
anything like that. I believe that the guy just made the whole thing up, uh, created the nurse in his mind so that he could uh, get people to check out his book. And I, I object to that. Whitley Strieber did a book called Majestic, which was based allegedly on the Majestic 12 documents. But Whitley Strieber was up front. We knew it was a work of fiction. It was a novel. And, and I have no problem with Whitley Strieber writing that book. I have a copy of that book, as a matter of fact. Uh, I have no problem with that. I would have no problem with this book if, if we didn't have to work through all the nonsense. Well, it may be a true story. Well, it was a nurse, and she told me these things, and I don't know how to verify this stuff. Um, anybody, anybody could verify these things, especially in the world today with the Internet. You can take a look at all of that stuff and understand how to verify this and how to vet things. Um, the story is littered with contradictions, confabulations and half-truths. And I, I probably ranted longer on that than I really should. So let me just let me just say this. Um, you get a chance, take a look at Encounter in the Desert, Roswell in the 21st Century. I'm working on a couple of other books that deal with actual legitimate UFO stories and legitimate people that we can actually talk to and prove. And we'll go along with that. You have been listening to A Different Perspective on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I'll be back in about 167 hours with a new edition, so thanks for tuning in.